Thanks for listening to another life-transforming message from the team here at C3 Southwest Washington. To find out more about our church, visit c3swwa.com. Well, good morning, church family. Those of you who are tough and brave and are here in the heat, if you will think about the last year and a half that we've had, does this not make sense to you? I mean, this is unprecedented, unheard of, end-time apocalypse heat that's going on this week in the Pacific Northwest. And uh, so I'd want to give my big thanks to our tech teams, uh, Glenn and the team in here, everything trying to get set up today. Uh, you know, and for, especially to you, those of you who are here, those of you who are at home, we actually had some technical difficulties this morning. But hey, it's 2021, and we're coming out of 2021 into the new 2021. Amen? So we're going to finish up our series entitled Two Steps Backwards. And this will be very uh, relevant for our church family, but also relevant hopefully for you and your setting because this series has been all about uh, experiencing the pushback of life and experiencing two steps backwards. And that is something we will experience scripturally no matter how well you live, no matter how seriously you serve God, there will be moments where there will be pushback. Jesus experienced it. You've experienced it. Um, and there's lots of different reasons, but sometimes it's just because of real life. But what I want to lean in today as we finish up is the idea of as you're in two steps backwards, the thought process about what comes next. And I want to take your attention to Nehemiah chapter 2, uh, verses 2 through 5, a great story there. I would encourage you to read through that entire portion of scripture because it's very applicable to this topic. Uh, but we pick up there where Nehemiah is standing before the king. And the king says, why is your face so sad, seeing that you're not sick? And I said to the king, why should not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king said to me, what are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven and I said to the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in your sight, then send me to Judah, the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. And so today I want to entitle this final message, uh, Leaning Into Your Relaunch. Because you experience two steps backwards, that is not a destination you want to camp out in. You want to be planning, look at the person and shake them, make sure they're alive. They could possibly be dead of heat stroke. <laughs> you get, listen, it will help you to participate with me because when I don't get a response, I drag on and on and you want to get out of here, okay? That's not really true because, you know, I'm quick, I'm short. Keep preaching on, okay? Uh, so leaning into your relaunch, let me pray over you. Father, I thank you so much for our people here, our people at home, our people who are traveling on vacation. Father, we're so thankful for your faithfulness and for the church and for you sending your son who gave his life not only for us, but really gave his life to build your family, the church. Sons and daughters that gather all around the world, different spots with different expressions of your family, but still your family. And so as we gather, Lord, this church, our church, and other churches all around the globe have experienced seasons of two-step backwards. And there are business owners who have experienced that, and there are families that have experienced that, and there are uh, relationships that have experienced that. But Lord, in the two steps backwards, there's an appropriate gaze, there's an appropriate view towards the future in faith in you and your goodness that we lean into, that we want to stretch into so that we don't get stuck in something that should not be. 
Father, I pray for your blessing over your people. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So keep the person next to you alive. Okay? You good with that? It's your responsibility, okay? Uh, if I go down, just keep, keep on with service. Okay, so a little bit of background according to the, uh, on the book of Nehemiah. And as you study out this portion of scripture, beautiful, beautiful scripture. Glenn, do I need to slide back for you? Will that help at all? I'm just feeding back a little bit, so what do you, you tell me what to do, okay? Um, in uh, the background, if you were to study the history of the Jews, they had established their nation. They had built their temples. Uh, the kings had been established, and the people of God drifted. And when you read that, you're like, what's wrong with these people? Why are they always turning their back on God and drifting? And then God has to do something. And then when you look in the mirror, you discover, oh, they're just like me probably to a degree. Anybody? We get really frustrated at Bible characters, but when we really take a close look at our lives, there is a similar ebb and flow. Um, In the book of Nehemiah, we capture the point where uh, Nebuchadnezzar has gone ahead and he has taken prisoner all the people of Israel in 597 BC. He conquers Jerusalem, and then he takes the people and he deports them back to Babylon to reindoctrinate them, to reinculturate them so that they become Babylonians. 539, King uh, Cyrus of Persia invades Babylon and establishes his reign. And as he's there in the next year, Cyrus decrees that the Jews could return back to their homeland, but only about 50,000 of them did because they realized their homeland was destroyed. There was a lot of work to do. Uh, Steps forward would really required something, so many of them were comfortable now in their setting, which was not the best that God had for them. Uh, About 100 years later, about 444 BC, the new king of Persia is Artaxerxes, and he is in great relationship with the people of God, and there's a man in his court who is very honored, who is his cupbearer. His responsibility is more than just walking around, you know, sir, do you want something to drink? He is his confidant. He is his uh, support system. He is the one who's working his security detail, and his name is Nehemiah, and in serving the king, he has a brother that travels back to Israel that's in shambles and then makes his way at the beginning of the book to Nehemiah and shares with him the account of how things look back at home, probably a home that Nehemiah has never been to, and yet it's his homeland. It's part of his heritage. It's part of his, uh, the blessing that God has for his life, and so his brother begins to share the condition of the homeland. And this is where, in the moment of two steps backwards, Nehemiah begins to lean into his comeback. He begins to lean into what God has for him. He begins to lean into a relaunch of sorts. And so what I want to do is give you today, if you find yourself in a position where you are stuck in two steps backwards, you can begin to lean forward. If something has happened to push you backwards, your business, your relationships, your finances, to begin to lean forward and begin to say, okay, God, what do you have for me next? And not just go after just some random thing or something just that you want, but really to capture the heart of God to know what is and what should be. So step number one that Nehemiah experiences, he leans forward into a clear vision for the future, and he discovers what is and what should be. Now, here's my question for you, is what is in your life, is it what should be? Is what is in your finance what should be? 
is what is in your marriage? Is it what should be? In your ministry, what is? Is it what should be? And I'm not talking about the what should be that your mom says, although we love all of our moms, right? But your mom is your greatest fan, and you can fly. You know what I'm saying? If you have that kind of mom, I, you know, I do, and my kids do, and my grandkids do, well, you can fly. You can do anything you, you, you put your mind to. And that's a great slogan, but that's not actually true. God has actually crafted you for, with gifts and abilities for a specific future. And so what should be includes a relationship with God and leaning into his purposes for your life. And so when you think about where you are after being pushed back, it's a what is and what should be. Having a clear vision of both, because I've been lost one time as a 19-year-old, called up my grandfather and said, I'm lost. It's a snowstorm. I'm in the state of New York. He was in Connecticut. How do I get home? And he asked me something really important. Where are you? And that was before the day of smartphones. I couldn't just type it up. I had to look around me, try to look at the signs. The snow was coming down. I could not describe to him where I was. And so in the process of not knowing where you are, it'll be impossible to figure out where you even need to go. Does that make sense? Okay. So in the process, I love that Nehemiah was actually able to get a handle on where he really, really was. You know, he talks to his, uh, his brother Hanani who comes back and his brother tells him that there's a remnant in the province that had survived the exile. They were in great trouble though, and they were in shame. That was their position. That was what was going on. That's what they were actually experiencing. Now, that wasn't the report from everybody. And I don't know about you. If you listen to the news, where, what's really going on? Anybody? You know, I, 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 they describe what's going on in my own neighborhood sometimes. And I'm looking out the window saying, I don't think that's what's exactly happening. And yet, that might be a small part of it. But what's the really, what really is the story? Where are we really at? And so what Nehemiah did is he pressed into that story and he talked to the right people and he found out details. And as he found out those details, he sits down and the Bible says in verse number four, he begins to weep for days. He's emotionally moved. How many of you know, though, that what you experience emotionally might not be what life really is? Am I talking to the right group of people? There's moments where I do feel like I can fly. And there's moments where I feel like I should be buried under the ground. Here's a newsflash for you. God is not probably, almost not definitely going to truly speak through how you feel. Be careful of saying, I just feel like God wants me to fill in the blank. Be careful of that because our emotions run high, our emotions run low. They're affected by a lack of sleep, about somebody smiling at us, about somebody walking past us in church, and we feel like they snubbed us. And really the truth is they saw a child about to jump on the camera, and they were trying to save the camera. Anybody? But you feel snubbed, so you feel like people don't like you. And the truth is they really do. They love you. They're so glad you're here. There was just a child that was about to tip over a piece of equipment. And so what I love that um, Nehemiah experienced was these high emotions. He wept for a couple of days. You ever done that? And some of you have. I, 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 I don't know about weeping for a couple of days, but being in the mully grubs, for you younger generation, you don't even know what that is. 
being depressed, I guess that's what we call it. Uh, but, you know, being down in the dumps, feeling bad is not an indicator of where you really are. And if you try to journey to your relaunch, if you try to get to where God has for you and you start in a make-believe starting point, you cannot get there. You understand what I'm saying? You'll set your GPS from I'm a loser to get to I'm a winner. And the problem is you're not a loser. And if you start there, you're never going to arrive at your destination. Go ahead, smile at the person. This is okay. This is good. It's hot, isn't it? And you're like, hurry up. Okay. So listen, life is going to go ahead and, and it's going to deliver some two steps back. Don't get locked into the emotions. When it does, sometimes people who experience two steps back, they can't figure out where they truly are. They imagine that two steps backwards is the punishment from God, and they decide to stay there. You hear me? Or they conclude that forward must not have been meant to be. So this two steps backwards is really the place I need to live from. That's incorrect also. They might lock into survival mode and decide that I'm afraid that a Another two steps backwards is going to impact me, so I'm going to be locked down like this, and they just simply stay there, and that's not the place you're going to journey forward from either. Or it could be that you recognize that your two steps backwards is the byproduct of your own stupidity. And the blame game on other people is not going to work because it doesn't allow you to set your compass correctly and move forward. You know, sometimes we do sin, and it's less about the judgment of God because judgment comes later, but it's more about the repercussions of our stupidity and our wrongdoing. We find ourselves in a bad spot. But do you understand when you look at David in his worst moment, when he's in his worst spot, he still recognizes this is not where God has for me for a long period of time. God has better for me. This is not a life sentence. And so David is always quick to repent and say, restore me, O God. And the heart of God is to see you restored. That is so key for you to understand the spot you stand in. Because if you get it in your heart, listening to the enemy, that I've done bad, so I am stuck in bad forever, you will not be able to journey out and relaunch to the place that God has for you. Come on, look at the person next to you and say, that's pretty good. That's important to know. As a kid, I had a real difficulty with that. My parents were strong disciplinarians, and I thank God for that. It's biblical. Your child's happiness should not be your number one objective. I'm just going off on some tangents this morning, and maybe I don't get to. But your child's affection for you and friendship, if that's at the top of your list, you are not going to produce a quality human being. You're going to produce somebody who knows how to work your world. Plain and simple. My dad would drop the hammer on me, but now I reacted differently. I would go into my bedroom. I would sit on my bed. I would not move because in my mind, this is, a, this is a period of grieving. You don't just run over and play with your toys. You're in trouble. But I would take it to the nth degree. I mean, like three days could pass, and I would still be sitting there not eating or drinking or sleeping. My dad would always come into the room afterwards, and there would be this expression, what are you doing? I, I didn't. I, okay, it's over. Go. Go do your thing. And so there's that understanding that the heart of God, while he disciplines us, his discipline lasts for a moment. And when we respond accordingly, 
and we realign our life according to scripture, what happens? There is a wind that wants to come behind our sail, the favor of God to push us into the places he has for us. You know, my agenda for my children in, in whatever it would be for their best, even though they introduce maybe stupidity or wrong behavior, after I've dealt with that, either training them a better way or disciplining them, it's not like that desired future has gone away and now they're banished to the lower dregs of the ship forever. You still have the same hopes and dreams for your child, and your heavenly father still has the same hopes and dreams for you. Amen and amen and amen. So get your compass set straight. Nehemiah experienced a, a tirade of emotions. But what I love is he was still processing the reality of where am I really? And he was able then to not, once he was able to dial in by, the Bible goes on to say, he prayed, he began to fast, he got serious with God. Yeah. Not this, well, God, if it's your will, show me. No, no, no. He dialed in. Answers are available if you get serious and press in. Turn off the TV for a little while, get off social media for a while, hunt it like it's a treasure because it is, and find out the heart of God for you. And as, as Nehemiah did, we discover in verses 8 through 9, it comes out of him, the heart of God. That's, you'll, you'll, you'll sense it. The best way I can say it is you'll sense it within your sensor. You've got an internal thing built into you, the spirit of God, that once you step into a relationship with God is activated and you begin to learn to dial into the frequency and hear from God. There's multiple components of how that's done, but Jesus's voice, his sheep discover it. When you step into a relationship with God, you begin to dial in and hear the heart of God for you in the big picture, the macro, and also the micro. And I want to challenge you to dial in, especially when you're in two steps backward. Dial in. There's a couple of ways to do that. I'll get to it in a second. But for him, he, as he's praying, he says to the Lord, remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses saying. So what is he doing? To figure out his future, he looks into the word of God to discover what has already been said about the nation of Israel. What has the word of God already said about your future? What has the word of God already promised about your life? What has God already spoken maybe prophetically over you? Or as you've been reading the word, or what is this thing that God has stirred within your heart, and now you're two steps backwards, what was that thing that God said that he planted within you that still needs to be pursued, regardless of why you're two steps backwards? So he's praying. He says, Lord, you, you, you said through your servant Moses, if you're faithful, you might become scattered. But if you return to me and keep my commands and do them, then your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of the heaven from there. This is what God had said previously. I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. What he basically begins to do is declare the promises of God over his two steps backward. I'm telling you, walking into your business, pointing your hands in the direction, Lord, you've spoken this thing into existence. You called me to do this profession. I know it might not be a popular one right now, but God, your, your word to me was to go and to do, and I'm experiencing some setback, but your word says, and your spirit has said, and it's re-declaring the what should be. Sometimes you need to inform your two steps backward what its real destination should be, which is about 10 steps forward. You need to remind your present what God said in the past that your future should look like. 
You might just need to remind yourself. But you also need to remind your circumstances. Amen? Okay. You, you still cool enough to keep going a little bit? Okay. So he, so he found the answers in the word. He also found the answers through prayer and fasting. Oh, man, I am just really, really need some direction from the Lord. Okay, what does that look like? Well, I'm just kind of waiting for some direction. What does that look like? Well, I'm just waiting for like a sign. There are lots of signs in the Bible. Just open it up and begin to look. There's lots of signs revealed in talking to spiritual counsel. There's lots of, you know, my GPS may be working in the background, but I can't, it doesn't read, I can't read its mind. I actually have to open my phone, say, where am I? Where do I want to go? I have to activate this guidance system. And you're going to have to activate the guidance system in your life. And it's going to want to time out and turn off all the time. The batteries are going to need to be recharged. There's going to be some glitches, not on that end, but on your end. And yet, the Bible says the kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in a field, and you can find it. That's what the kingdom of God is like. That's what walking with Christ looks like. He also found it in conversations with some other spiritual people. So he, again, step one is see what is and what should be. You know, that really applies definitely to our church. Churches, I was on a conference call with our C3 churches all across the United States. It's amazing to listen to the last year and a half from lots of our pastors. There's probably two of our church, churches that are thriving, maybe three of them thriving and striving, new ground and miracles and all sorts of crazy stuff going on. And it's interesting, two of the three are brand new church plants. And so they stepped into a vacuum to do new things and begin to grab onto people and move forward. One of the other churches is just a beast of a machine down in San Francisco. The pastors there are, are just remarkable. They've planted five churches during COVID, and it's just like, I'm like, okay. But the average church has lost about a third to a half of their people, a third to half of their income. In many cases like us, their venue. And you know what? That's, 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 that's two steps backwards. And it stinks on a hot day. And it stinks on some other days. But it is a first world problem. There are people meeting in China right now illegally, and if they're caught, you know what happens to them? The sheriff doesn't just drag them off. They don't get persecuted for Jesus' name by somebody saying, you're unloving. If that's persecution for us as Christians, we need to, like, read the Bible. Real persecution, okay? But... Um, you know, the, the reality is there still is an element of a couple steps backwards. And so for us is discovering, you know, why are we in this spot? Because sometimes it could feel like, did we do something wrong? Have we not done something we should have? You know, you as a business owner, you have those same questions. You as somebody who's managing maybe uh, finance, experiencing the same kind of questions. And if you don't figure out the why, then you won't be able to really navigate to the appropriate place. So pressing in to find out why am I here and where is here so that I can then say, okay, God, where do you have for me is like the key step. It's the first step, but it's critical. And I remember leaning back in November into this idea because I needed a month to be able to press into, okay, why, why is what's going on happening and what are the next steps? And thank God God speaks and the Lord was able to see, uh, help me to see that there were going to be changes in relationships and roles and facilities but we needed to focus on the people in the room, the people who are tuning in, also to focus on a permanent location. You've been hearing this since November. We are actively pursuing a, a permanent location. We own a, a ten, nine and a half acres here, or ten and a half acres here on the property, three different parcels, but building right now is not probably a, a financial reality because 
uh, building prices have skyrocketed, right? It's just insane. And so this idea of maybe we sell a portion of what we have. Maybe we go back into the school. Maybe we go into a theater. We put money down on a lease. Let's explore all of the options to figure out where we need to go. And so that has definitely been a part of the process. We've been focusing on that. I'll talk more about it in just a second. And we've also focused on, as uh, we are legally allowed, you know, to step into securing facilities, that'd be the time to get relaunched. So for you and your life, for Nehemiah, for us, step one is critical. Step two is uh, pretty important as well. It's the lean into the planning and preparation. Get your plan in place. Get you and your plan in place. Just because, let me say this, what should be in your life is not a guaranteed outcome just because you know what should be. And it's also not a guaranteed outcome because you're a Christian. You can still have a dumb plan and fail. You know, the Bible does say in Proverbs chapter uh, 15, verse 22, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they can succeed. With the right advisors, good plans can succeed. How many of you know the enemy has advisors? How many of you know that good people can often be used by the enemy? Yes. Unknowing people who don't know all of the details and are driven by emotion and have an agenda for your life that's not lined up with God's agenda can actually be used by the enemy in your life. That's just a reality. I wish that it was all just, you know, we, we become a Christian and then it's, we all get in a box together and it's all good. But you have to be careful about plans. You have to lean into good biblical plans. If you lean into plans that are contrary to scripture, you run the risk of falling off the edge, even though everyone else is saying that's a great plan. True? Do good business. Be shrewd, but do good business. Serve people. Don't rip them off. You rip people off, it's going to come back on you. Right? There's just so many, so many keys to that. But having a good plan will lead to a, good, a better outcome than possible without one. And planning and the right plans are critical for your success. And that's what Nehemiah did. Nehemiah leaned into good plans. He leaned into good people. He fasted and he prayed. We read that already. But he also devised a great plan. Now, it happens and it unfolds here in the book of Nehemiah chapter 1 and 2 very quickly. But it happens uh, because there is a deep plan. If you read this at face value, he's really sad. He goes to the king. The king says to him, why are you sad? And Nehemiah says, I'm really sad because my city's broken down. And then the king says, what would you have me do? And he's like, ah, blah, blah, blah. I think, send me back. I'll rebuild. But the truth is, this man may be a cupbearer to the king, but this man is an engineer of people and of cities and of, I mean, he's a, he is a building engineer and he's like a commander of forces. This is a, a very smart man. And there is time that goes between his brother Hanani telling him that the city was in shambles and him being moved and then stepping before the king. Because when the king asks him, what would you have me do? It is like he pulls out a 20-page plan and says, I want you to send me back. I need provisions. I need this amount of men. I want you to fund it this way. And he's got a list of things that he has got laid out that he has been building, that he's been planning, that he's been praying over. He has been getting himself and his plan in place. That's something that you need to do. Not just move by emotions. Again, he worked beyond emotion, 
But he began to lay out his strategy, his plan, asking God to bless it, asking for input from others so that it was a good godly plan that could be executed and executed well. As you read through uh, Nehemiah chapter 2 towards the end there, uh, the king said to him, uh, you know, what would you have me do? Uh, what are you requesting? And so real quick, he prays and he pulls out his plan and he says, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in your sight, then send me to Judah, the city of my father's graves, and I may rebuild it. And the king said, how long will you be gone? When will you return? So it pleased the king to send me when I had given him a time. He had a plan, a time frame all planned out. He had a, for those of you who don't, don't, aren't, aren't great planners, you might have great vision, get a planner to stand next to you to help you with your vision. Know your gift set. People who are great visionaries but are horrible administrators, oh, I feel for you until you get an administrator because you need vision, but you need administration. There's got to be what should be and also the plan of how to get from here to there. You got to execute it. You got to have both involved with a ministry. Got to have both involved with a business. If you're just a planner, all you'll do is ever manage it will never grow. If all you are is a visionary, you keep running after things and things are falling apart behind you. You got to have both to make it all work. Um, and so he was able to articulate that, the steps forward, and uh, the king heard what he had to say. I know for us as, as the church in this season, we have kind of marked June, July, and August. Now that we see where we're at, now that we know where we need to go to, this is the season for us for planning. Behind the scenes, we won't share all the details with you all the time, but we've got a board of directors that have worked uh, very diligently with me along this lines. Other leaders in our church, high-level leaders, who have been a part of the discussion. There will be times when you hear something for the first time. You're like, whoa, that happened quick. I can assure you uh, that doesn't happen that quick. Behind the scenes. And, and we are a, a kind of, we run this, our church, like a church family. We value what the kids want for dinner. Did you hear what I said? Yeah. We value what the kids, because kids, you know, let's, let's eat popsicles or let's drink hot sauce or let, you know, or let's have, let's have steak. So, you know, kids got great ideas, but in the process, spiritual leaders scripturally are charged with leading the church. And while Rowan and I would kind of serve as mom and dad, there's nothing that we do that's not also in conjunction with our board of directors who help us to do this correctly, to make sure we're in good shape, to make sure it's good legal decisions, it's a good business plan. And so you may just hear it for the first time, and I don't mean to reduce you to a kid level, okay? Sit back there at the child seats. I, that's, not, that's not what I mean at all. But in the analogy for running a family, it's important to have a good business plan, and I want you to know, have the confidence as a church family, some of this you're just hearing about, some of you've been hearing about it for six months, it's not something that's just been activated in the process. You know, we, uh, we're using this time to focus on our gathering locations. I have personally, along with a few other guys, walked more properties and more buildings, talked about more options. We've looked at our property. I, I actually had one of the biggest names in commercial real estate call me up this week, and he said to me, Steve, uh, I've got a client who's interested in your property, and we just want to know, would you ever be willing to sell? Again, we've got three different pieces of ground here. And he's talking about not where this house sits on one acre. He's talking about out there, the real valuable stuff that's on I-5. I said, you know, it's not for sale. That property out there is not for sale, but everything's for sale, baby. <laughs> I mean, isn't that true? This isn't sacred. It's a tool to be used for the kingdom, right? Just like everything in your home. 
I know you got your you got your collector's Legos, okay? But you can't eat those. Push comes to shove, you sell those for food, right? You do what you got to to take care of your family. So in this conversation with him, I was like, yeah, yeah, I, you know, everything's for sale. He says, well, bar, pa ballpark, what, what would you, what, what, would it t what crazy number would it take for you to consider? So I gave him my top of the line number. I know the market. I know what the property value is. I do my research. So I put him, gave him the very high number. He's like, okay, great. You may ever, maybe you never hear back from me, or maybe you hear back from me in five minutes with a deal you can't refuse. Make him a deal he can't refuse, right? <laughs> I was shocked, though, I will have to say, when later on I got a call from a pastor that says, hey, I hear you guys are selling your property. Tell me more about it. I said, excuse me? It's, uh, our property's not for sale, not our, not our frontage property. He's like, oh, well, I got an email from a contractor wanting to build me a building out on that property. I'm like, excuse me? And I was like, it's not for sale. And so I said, send me that email. And so this broker, who I didn't know, I know of him, he wasn't calling on behalf of a client. He was calling to shop our property to see if he could sell it. So that's the kind of, it's, it's okay. I was shocked. No, that's not for sale, but everything is for sale. But it's also great to do the research to figure out what the options are. And so we've looked at our property. Most of you know our, our board of directors decided we're going to sell this property, the hub right here, what we meet in. And we're, we've worked out a really good deal. We, we knew what the market was. We have buyers or actually people from our church. And in the process, that becomes really valuable because this driveway would no longer belong to us. And it's the only access to the property that's on either side of us where we store our equipment. And so we've got, we'll have free access for the years to come and we'll continue to park our trucks. There's some really good business that's gone into that plan, just so you know. Uh, but we're out there walking properties, looking at stuff that we could buy and looking at lease properties and all sorts of stuff like that. I just want you to have the confidence that we are looking at our relaunch. And it might be in a school. It might be in the theater. I'm hoping that it's in a permanent location. That's what we're working for, okay? And we'll give you that information in the next couple of uh, weeks. Uh, we actually put in an offer on a property uh, that they're supposed to respond back this next week. Won't give you all the details. But if that is the case, if that works out, Contractor's already on board. We already have the price. He'll start his work. It'll probably take two and a half months, three months, four months. I'm hoping for less, like three weeks. And then we'll move into the next steps, okay? Okay. So also for June through August, it's also, and I'll go through these next couple steps just really, really quick because uh, you've been patient with me, but I think they're important for you to hear. Um, June through August, we'll not only focus on our locations, but we'll be putting together our relaunch strategy depending on what building that's going to be in. There has to be a plan. Some of you are brand new to our church family. And while you like what's been going on, this thing we've been doing that's going on is kind of survival mode. It's not really us. And you know, you need to know who we are, our vision, our mission, our culture, and, and your role in the us. And so we want to be able to put that together for you. Uh, during this time, both Rowena and I, we're going to be traveling to some other churches. We will be here on average every other week and know that while we're gone, we're going to go on vacation like you guys. But like next weekend, we're going to be on location up in Seattle with Hope Village Church, another C3 church that launched at the beginning of the pandemic, doing crazy well and has moved into a theater. And so we want to see how they're doing it, how they're making it work, because that's a part of doing the research. Amen. So we'll be doing that. We'll be site prepping if we get our property together. We'll be doing all sorts of stuff. Um, it's not just downtime. We will be recharging like you will be. But that'll lead to step number three. Step number three is lean into your team. That's what Nehemiah did. 
got his team together. He invited them to be a part of the process. He took them to the broken down city. He did a little bit more research and then he gave them their marching orders. And so that might be what you have to do for your company. It might be as you reassemble your team, that's what you need to do. Recast vision. Because you as the leader of something, your eye is on vision, but the kids in the car, your car get distracted by, mommy, daddy, there's a volcano blowing up over there. You're like, we're gonna be fine, look forward. And you've gotta get your team looking back at what they need to look at. Fix your eyes on the problem or fix your eyes on it's a scripture. I'm going to help you out here. Fix your eyes on Jesus. When in doubt, the answer is always what? Jesus, right? Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. You're following him. And even in a church setting, you're following him. And as a church, we're, we are following him. And while you have leaders who are following him, we're all following him together. So we don't fix our eyes on the problem. We're, if you're driving down the road and you begin to fix your eyes on the problem, where do you drive into the problem? Any motorcycle rider will tell you after the crash, I got distracted. I looked at what I was worried about and drove right into it. Okay. So for us, that looks like September and October. We're going to lean into you as a team. We're going to set up a place where we gather that may not be our final location. It might be being assembled or it's definitely going to be a place where we can come together and be in a room together. And on those weeks that we gather, we're going to have a meal together because if we're going to relaunch, you got to know a little bit about that person you're relaunching with sitting behind you and in front of you and next to you. It's a great time to figure out, again, the mission, the vision, the culture, and your role on the team. We'll be talking more about that. So, and finally, that leads to step four, which is relaunch. And that's what Nehemiah did. And I'm just going to read the final verse to you. I'm going to have you stand and pray over you in just a second. But Nehemiah, as he got the team together to begin to rebuild this, the, the walls around the city to start the relaunch... Um, there was some, some effort that needed to be exerted. The team needed to push through some resistance, and they certainly did. I'm guessing that by the time we push through the resistance of facility and getting everybody on board and some new people will join us, no doubt. Some people are going to come back from online and jump into the mix of things. You'd be like, who's this new person? Well, actually, they've been around for 20 years, uh, but they're, they're here. And you get together as a team and be able to build that relationship and be all rowing together in the direction that God has for our church family. Nehemiah did that. That's the relaunch. That's the execute your plan with your team. And let me just read it to you really quick. I love this portion of scripture. In fact, I'm going to have you stand and that way I'll finish. It says, but when Sanballat, the Horonite, and I don't know who names these people in the Bible, don't name your kid Sanballat, okay? It's just... Think of what's going to happen at preschool. It's going to be tough, all right? Or they're going to nickname him Sand, okay? And if you're from a place called Horonite, find a substitute place that you are from, okay? But it says that Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite served and Geshem and Arab heard of it. And they jeered at us, despised us and said, what is this thing you're doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Anytime you relaunch, there's going to be voices. You know, you, you switch over to a brand new team, Kim, there's going to be voices. Not everybody's going to celebrate that. They're not, okay? But you know within your heart the right thing to do. There are going to be people 
who as you press into maybe a a place at work where you thought you were leaving, but the season moved some things around and you found yourself repositioned, you're going to lean into that and there'll be voices, but I thought you said that you were moving. No, no, I've decided I'm staying. What are you, double-minded? No, I have the mind of Christ. Maybe you make a decision that the thing you were pursuing really all along before all this was not the right thing. You set that on the table and you know beyond what you know that that is not a thing to pursue anymore. The real thing to be pursued is this. And there'll be people that come out and say, I thought you said you were going to pursue that. There will be voices. You already tried that. It didn't work. But what does the people of God, what do the people of God do? I replied to them, and I love this. You can just make this your own personal quote. The God of heaven will make us prosper, and we, his servants, we will arise and we will build. You will build your business. You will establish your outpost for the future, right? You will bring your family into a brand new city. You will make new friends. You will be established. Your kids will grow up in community and make a difference. Come on. I'll step out of what used to be into the ministry that God has for me that I've desired my whole life. And I'll press in and God's going to use me. Amen? I'm going to step out of my past with all of the misunderstanding of why I was at where I was and declare God's favor is for me and it's no longer going to keep me back. I'm going to step into God's future for me. Amen? Come on. You have a great future. That's at least what God would say. Amen? Let me read that to you again. I replied to them. Come on, read this with me. The God of heaven will make us prosper, and we, his servants, will arise and build. Come on, build well. Live your best life. Amen? So let me pray over you just to close today. And afterwards, we'll have you get your kids. We've got some popsicles in the back and water, and we'll spray it down with a hose, or you can flee immediately, whatever you need to do, okay? Father, we thank you so much, God, for your goodness. Thank you for your people's attention. Such beautiful people. Hungry for your word, have come out today or tuned in, endured the heat. God, I pray a blessing over them. I pray that portions of this message burrow down into the soul of who they are. Begin to formulate plans on the inside of pressing forward and fighting for the things you have for them, the things you have for their kids. There are so many good things within reach because we walk with you, God. So we redeclare, you are our God. We will walk with you. We will run with you. You are fighting on our behalf, but we are your hands extended in the battle. So use us. God, help us to see clearly what is and what should be. Help us, God, in the process, Lord, to to lean into a plan to prepare ourselves. Then, Lord, help us to lean into the proper people around us. Finally, help us to execute, to lean into our steps forward to relaunch as a individual, as a family, as a church family. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, leaders, and what we do at C3 Church, visit our website at c3swwa.com.